Hey everybody, welcome to Outspoken, episode 28. I'm your host, Justin White, and uh, I wanted to say a few things. Um, One of the really cool things about doing this podcast, and there are many, uh, is that I get to, well, I get to talk to old friends, which is amazing, reconnect with some some folks I haven't talked to in a long time, um, or maybe I have, but I don't get to talk to them in this way very often. So um, I really appreciate that aspect of it. Another thing that is really cool is that I get to meet new people, uh, both through these connections, through friends of friends, and also because I'm putting myself out there and just saying hello and starting to talk to folks. Did you know that you're allowed to do that? You can talk to other people that you meet on the street. Um, It's true. I mean, don't be a freak about it, but um, yeah, you are allowed to um, engage with one another as human beings. So um, that's what I'm doing. I'm starting to step outside my comfort zone. Um, I like to stay at home and do my own little private world stuff in my sanctuary, but uh, I think it's really important that we start to engage with one another and step over some lines that we aren't used to crossing. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and uh, that's how I met my new friend Eric. And uh, I will let him tell his own story. And I'll talk to you after. injury while it's not your only identifier it, it is a major it's, it's, it's a major it's more or less central to right. the course of my life okay so it's hard to it's hard to, to avoid getting into head injury right because anything else we start talking about leads back to leads that. back to it okay so do you want of, to start with because that because of disabilities right because of, so would it make sense to tell that story and um, to set the the background, or just to so start somewhere else, and we'll get we'll okay. We'll come to get to it. You told me you were learning Chinese now, so I uh, I started seventh grade English in 1967 in L.A. Okay, and there was a Chinese girl in my class, mm-hmm. and we were twelve, and uh, her English was not so good because. Um, she and her family were from China. Right. And her younger younger brother, who was born here in the U.S., okay. was born with a heart defect. Mm-hmm. And the defect with the kids, the problem with the kid's heart was fixed by my father, my oh, dad. Oh, wow. My dad did the surgery. He was a heart surgeon. To repair this kid's heart. Wow. Amazing. And so from thanks to my dad... I was always welcome to go over to her house oh, and, cool. and do some English homework with her and then eat everything. 
Oh, right. So and, you were introduced to Chinese cuisine and, earlier than and it was right, most. Right. right. That's so, cool. So my mom always knew why I was not yet at home. Uh-huh. The, the, their house was sort of roughly halfway between the school and my house. Okay. And, uh, You'd stop over at her house for dinner on often, your way home for, often. for dinner? Her mom. Uh-huh. Spent much more time and much more sense of dedication, mission around cooking. Uh huh. My mom didn't particularly like to cook. Yeah. And so interesting. So I was always over there. Yeah. And I, um, um, we graduated from high school in 1973. Okay. And she went to University of California, Irvine. Uh huh. I went to college in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So we were apart for a couple of years, and then I uh, took a summer job as camp counselor in Northern California in Trinity County. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I worked at a summer camp there called Camp Trinity. Okay. And I got hurt there. I fell in the mountains, and I don't know much about how this happened. You don't know the event itself? You, have, you don't I, um, recollect or haven't been? Well, I've been back near where it happened, mm. and I've seen how rough the country is, mm-hmm. and I know that when you're, when you're, hike, when you're walking in, the, in that rough country, there's just a zillion things that could happen. Yeah. So momentary, you know, what, where you put your foot and where you put your foot. Mm. And just everything is so... Uh, um, sort of treacherous or treacherous. precarious. Yeah. It depends on good balance. Yeah. And I... Uh, somehow I fell. And I... Uh, and you were leading a camp? You were leading uh, and I a was, group of kids? I was with a group of kids and one other counselor. And we didn't know... The other, the other counselor had gone down to find a way down to the river mm-hmm. we were trying to get to, which was way below, and we didn't know. He didn't come back when he had originally uh, said he he'd return. Right. And, okay. and so we blew whistle signals, and I went down looking for him mm-hmm. with another camper. Okay. And it was some time after that that I fell. And so you were just with the one camper with on the your one way down. Camper, right? Wow! And so, and how old were these kids? And they were about eleven, twelve. And you were only nineteen. And I was nineteen. I was a few months short of twenty. Wow. Okay. And um, because we were afraid that uh, that something might have happened with the other counselor that he had got hurt. Mm-hmm. I explained to people what they should do in an emergency. Okay. And so this was kind of good luck. Yeah, you had just told the campers, then, like, here's what you need to then, do. Then knew um, wow. to go up to the ranger station, the fire lookout right. nearby. And so when, when this happened, then... Um, then my buddy blew the whistle signals, okay. and they were kind of expecting it. They knew. They knew what to do. And so, so it happened sort of halfway efficiently. Mm. 
that the uh, that they came down from the ranger station and put me on a stretcher mm-hmm. and and tied ropes around the trees and managed to pull it up. Oh wow! And they just like did a pulley system with the cause, trees and because I had fallen down into a a crevice and mm-hmm. I didn't. And you were unconscious, right? Yeah, you know, I was like, unconscious. This is just hearsay. Yeah. And so they carried me, they pulled me up to the top and 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 drove me up to the this, uh, the ranger's lookout, mm-hmm. and which has a launch pad, a landing pad. A helicopter pad. pad. And the helicopter came there, the emergency right. ambulance, you. and they, they picked me up and they... Stopped in Hayfork to pick up a doctor, mm. and they uh, and they took took me into Reading, and wow. I stayed in Reading, California, in the hospital for a few weeks, and I was unconscious and don't know anything of that. Don't remember it at all. You were in a coma, right? Wow. And but my folks were there soon. My right. um. The camp um, called my folks and let them know what what was going on. Right, and they met you there right away. And uh, so um, I stayed in Reading for a few weeks mm-hmm. until they transferred me down to Rancho Los Amigos, mm. a big rehab hospital okay. in L.A. Okay, and I stayed there for another six months. And that was like physical rehab and speech therapy and everything, just sort right. of all rehabilitation, right. all in one. And it was, uh, I, I was still unconscious for several more weeks, and but then they started teaching me how to eat and, uh-huh. and how to talk and uh, how to begin to you know, tie my shoes and do everything. Do you remember those early stages? I I have some fleeting memories of it. Mm-hmm. I have some mental pictures of the of groups where we sat around and uh, and talked about news articles and mm. uh, and people who were I was in the hospital with mm-hmm. who you know, on the board with the other folks who happened to have uh, head traumas at about the same time. Okay. And wind up there because Rancho Los Amigos is one of the biggest centers and one of the biggest hospitals in the whole country for collecting people with uh, severe head trauma. Oh, specifically for head trauma. And okay. they know as much as anywhere about what to do with it. Gotcha. Wow. And and in those day, in those days, it was really a kind of a new thing that. People were surviving and doing well. After. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had to go pick up a special surgeon in another city, right? Because there weren't enough. There weren't the, the right. people needed to do that type of work weren't right. everywhere. Right, but that was that was separate issue. Yeah, that was not specifically related to head trauma. That was just uh, we had to pick up a doctor because because uh, I was pretty fragile. Needed a quick in. Quick attention. Precarious condition. Yeah. So, and and you say you have no memory at all of the, like your time in the coma? You don't remember dreams or anything? Nothing. 
You don't, okay. And when you came to, do you ha- did you know who you were, where you were, any you know what was your um, experience? My experience of coming to was uh, I knew exactly who I was, and mm-hmm. I didn't have any doubts about. Okay. Uh, so there's no amnesia. There in was terms amnesia. of identity, but only in but the incident or there was a lot of amnesia about the incident and yeah. about the last couple few years of personal history. Okay, but there wasn't, but it didn't impact didn't who you influence, were. Influence my my notion of who I was. Okay, I, I was still a high school kid. Yeah, in, in LA. So and, and so when you. I'm I'm wondering what like what level of awareness you had of your condition like when you first gained consciousness. My um, awareness of my condition grew incrementally, very slow, very slow, mm. and uh, and did you did you recognize people like when your parents when you saw your parents you recognized right, them right away right and, right and other people as well like were you mm-hmm. okay. So that started. Did that start to bring back? Did that start to put pieces together for you and place you in time and um, space? It it did and it didn't. And this was, and the reason it didn't, it did not, did not in certain ways, was because of um, is a uh, defensive mechanism. I sort of a. Uh, Developed the notion that I was dreaming it all. Oh wow! And and that made it much easier to cope with. Did you just sort of tell yourself that, or did, or do you I think it just happened, like your I, brain? I don't recall. I think that must have been my natural, um, just like a coping mechanism. of uh, my explanation of how the world seemed to uh, shift and uh, and be so uh, unstable and right. have so little memory. Wow. That's really hard to imagine what that, you know, especially at that age when you... So I was 20. Yeah. I could, I could uh, you know, things... It's a different world from how it is now. It's uh, For sure. Much more floating. Mm. So, okay, so then... So you had to basically learn everything over again from scratch all of your movement all your motor skills all of my physical skills yeah had to be relearned but i still remembered like how to do math okay that was intact and i had to relearn how to make how to use a pencil Mm. to make the numbers but i could i could do the math really remembered formulas and things like that and how to huh did the surgeon explain like why what parts of the brain were inf- affected and why? And, no, or? I never, never got into uh, asking about that, and never got any clear explanation about it from um, from the people who knew. And I, I kind of wish that I had yeah. pursued that more, and, and it's still possible. Is it? You could still find out more? There's still records and there's still Mm -hmm. a lot of information, a lot more information available now. Right. A lot more research has been done, many more cases, many more doctors.
did it take you to rehabilitate to the point where you could walk and talk and travel and do, th- you know? The, um, um, I could talk from, from fairly early, and I thought I was speaking, and a lot of people were not understanding what I said. Hmm. But and, to you, it was coming out but clearly. To me, it was coming out, and and my family could understand me much earlier just from practice, right? And hearing me, and I tended to be not really on top of the ways in which I habitually slurred all my words and mm. uh, and ran words together and talked. Because it because you didn't hear it that way, right? You didn't. I didn't hear it. Okay. Right. Right. Wow, that must have been so frustrating. And so I had a lot of speech therapy, mm. and my speech therapy started at um, at Rancho when I was still in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I uh, worked with speech therapists there. Okay. And so would they have to sort of point out to you when you were slurring words, and you because you couldn't. They would say, oh, stop. You have to do, you have to separate this sound and this sound. Right. That's the kind of thing they would, they would point out. Okay. And, and they were also um, feeling like it was just good to get me talking about whatever and uh, not worry about all the mistakes I was making. It was just Yeah, talk. just to keep going, yeah. Um, and were there also, there? I assume there were support groups and things within that program there were like you would sit and talk together about right like what the impact of the injury means for your future and things like right, that right did you was that i imagine that would have been a really difficult thing at age 19 or 20 to be i um it was difficult and i think it was pretty easy because i uh i could just sort of make it up i didn't really mm. didn't uh, there weren't hey, there it was it depended on my personal experience right and okay. there were a lot of things about my experience that that I wasn't really picking up mm. I was still under the impression that i could uh i could i would just get up and start walking one day mm. and and i i couldn't walk yet and i was in a wheelchair and for my father in particular he was very pessimistic mm-hmm. and did not foresee that I would be able to walk again and and yet for for the doctors in charge this was an open question yeah. and it wasn't known and they did not want to prejudice my behavior one way or the other right and did you feel your dad the pressure from your dad, or did you feel, did you feel like mm-hmm. you were optimistic and I was optimistic and mm-hmm. and do you feel like when, that changed the outcome? Your optimism, yeah, for yeah. sure. I think um, I was optimistic, and my mother was much more optimistic mm-hmm. than my dad, partly because she didn't have his, she did not have his medical insight to the mm. situation but also she was probably just naturally nurturing your, her baby right. you know right. 
you got to got to stick around for your baby no matter what. Right. Yeah. So so maybe your mother's love and support and your optimism carried you through and the support of the staff went, that went helped for went a long ways. Yeah. So but you so you went 6 months in that program and then was there further I mean you were able to walk at the end of that and speak and that after seems like a short period. It seems like after six months and two days, the only, the only reason I mentioned that six months was uh-huh. was that that occasion. Six months and two days uh-huh. stands out in my mind is the first day I stood up without holding on. Oh, that's awesome! With and um, that's pretty amazing. And, six months. After and by that long, they're not expecting it's going to happen anymore. Yeah, and it just happened, and I, and it didn't. It happened at my home. Oh, really? Was anyone around to witness? mm -hmm. Yeah, and and um, during the last couple months of my stay in the hospital. I was going home on the weekends. Wow. And going back to the hospital on Monday morning. Wow. And And how was your what is what was your dad's reaction when you started to He was pretty shocked. Yeah. But for me it was just gonna happen someday and I yeah. didn't didn't realize, you know, that for him that was not at all clear. Well that's probably better if you didn't know that exactly. he was thinking that. Exactly. So what? Where do you? What do you attribute your faith to, or your optimism? Like, like what? What made you feel certain that you would do it again? You would come back and be able to. Um, childishness has a big part. Okay. Play a big part. Uh huh. And um, Houston, I useful. Uh, it's the way anything's possible when you're a kid. And, yeah. And if you can't do it next week, it'll it'll just be the week after. Wow. But that I don't know that that's necessarily the common response to something like that. I feel like a lot of people no. would give up or be depressed or you know would would really be cynical about it and probably prevent themselves from you know progressing. So, so we don't know all that much about what are all the factors. Yeah. They go into a particular individual's response to that kind of situation. Right. And partly it has to do with the, the nature of the mind. And partly, and more importantly, it seems to me, it has to do with uh, who, who your friends are and who your family is and mm. what kind of experiences you've had. And, okay. And what have been the... Uh, the challenges that you've dealt with before and mm-hmm. what what kind of things uh, you know what what has worked out what is uh what has proved useful in the past so do you feel like your life prior to the accident you had you were good you were in a good place and you liked like you had a good world view you liked um, your family think you know were things in order or were they things Things were in order in some ways, mm. and and there was a um, and as a college student, I was doing very poorly. Mm. I was really a bad student. Were you and, just not interested, or you didn't? 
Um, Didn't find your topic? or That was sort of... I think I was interested, and I think I was... Uh, I was pretty immature. I mm. didn't didn't really have a lot of uh, I didn't have some very basic scholastic skills okay. that people normally develop. They yeah. they grow up and they go to junior high and high school and they do their homework and right. then read the books. You didn't and do I, that. I sort of did not pay enough attention to that and. Uh, and my father had grown up with with folks who kept him at doing his homework yeah. constantly. Yeah. And uh, well, he became a heart surgeon. Right? And <laughs> so he kind of went overboard the other way. I'm yeah. not going to put any pressure. And, oh, okay, interesting. And so, and, and was that good for you? That let your imagination run? And yes and know? no. It was. Uh, it seems to have had its its value, and it seems to have also not not been a very adequate preparation for going to, going off to college. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you what? So what? You said you were too distracted, or not? You weren't really interested in what was going on in school. What What were you thinking about? Um. Huh. I mean, were there specific things, interests you had, or you know, dreams for the future? Were there things that kept you from being? There was rock and roll. Okay. There was. What kind of music did you like? What kind of rock were you into? I was drummer. Oh, you were. I was drummer in the rock band, and I was a drummer in the marching band at school, uh-huh. and I was uh, and uh, in the jazz band. Mm-hmm. And I, and that was sort of a big part of my life. Okay. And, and and yet, as central as it was to my identity at that point, I um, I regret that I was not taking it all that seriously. Yeah. I was not uh, putting in as much work as that. Yeah. I have the same regret about my like playing guitar back then. You know, I took lessons for like a month, and, and I was like, ah, I, I love music. I want to live with music and play it and everything, but I never put in the time until you know many years later. Mm-hmm. And I'm not you sure what that is. Kind of feel like a. I think for me it was um, specifically failing to to grasp. The relation between how, when you practice the stuff, mm. it really gets better. Yeah. <laughs> and everything that I could do that I had, uh, that was important to me, just sort of came to me. Yeah. And, I, and solving a math problem just kind of came to it's me. It's like automatic. I didn't uh, really get a notion of, of practice. Right. And, yeah, that's interesting. That might be similar. That might It might be that. You know the things that I was good at, or just came naturally. I that's what I did because it was you know it made sense. Oh, that's fun. I like it. I'm good at it. I'll mm-hmm. do that. And then if it took some extra work, or if the if the practice was too tedious, then I might just then you have to replace it with goal. something else. Yeah, but I don't. I I'm not crazy about that trait in myself. Like I and I think I've changed it. I think I've learned some discipline, and I actually like 
hard work when it's something I enjoy doing. But I, I have a similar feeling. Like if I had if I had stuck with the guitar from age 16 and practiced all the way through, I think I'd be pretty darn good. Yeah. Better better than I am. But um, so okay, so that that felt like a big part of your identity beforehand. And even though you say you didn't necessarily pursue it in that way, but then after, did it? Was there a feeling of loss of that particular part of your life, or there, there's a big sense of loss, yeah, right? from it's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, your athleticism and a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, how do you get? I don't, I don't know how one moves through that. You know, the sadness or the the feelings that come with that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a Do you have a clue as to how um, it happened for you? Because you seem to be you have a very positive, uh, you know, spirit. In my opinion, thank you. Uh, I um, I kind of wish that I could have uh, looked at it more sincerely, more uh, honestly. And, confronted this situation rather than uh, always um, just trying to evade the situation. Outrun it or something. Okay. And Do you think... Sorry. My evasion kind of worked. (laughs) Okay. It led you to a different type of life. right? Right. that superseded those things to do yeah and not appreciating how um what it's worth might be in the future what it's worth yeah what the yeah and that's hard to do when you're a kid you don't really right you You don't don't have have the the, perspective yeah and you don't necessarily take your parents advice or their Mm -hmm. perspective to heart right you just say well i'll do it my way my um my dad's folks had spent so much time Exacting practice and uh, mm-hmm. and hard work out of Cracking him. the whip. That he didn't want to do that. He, yeah. yeah, I think he sort of went overboard the other way. Right, so it was too loose. That's funny. Sorry. So it, I'd rather have him go overboard, being too loose than too tight. But uh, same here. Yeah, but you do. I mean, you need a little guidance. You may. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of discipline for kids. I don't think it really works, and I don't think it's. I don't think it's healthy. I think it makes you makes 
kids dislike their parents. Makes them bitter. Yeah. But I think that um, some good guidance, you know, loving guidance is really helpful. Just mm-hmm. to say, well, you might consider this other option, you know. Right. Just to like put some other things out in front of them. Sort of like with, you know, art materials. If you give them, if you give a kid the full spread, they have a lot more to do with it than if they just have this these few limit. you know, here's a crayon and a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So you got to have your tools in life to figure out what you're going to do. And it takes a while to gain the tool, the toolkit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but all right. So back to so you traveled all over Europe. You went to thirty countries and thirty states. And was this this was just strictly out of curiosity? Like I want to go see the world. And um, it was cu- curiosity had a big part, had much to do with it, mm-hmm. and having the opportunity to do it. You mm-hmm. know. Being given the funds to do it, this had big, had much, much yeah, to do a good with incentive. it. And uh, and were your and parents supportive of you doing, of you going off to explore? I think, um, I think for my mom that was a very reasonable choice to make, and for my dad, it was more worrisome. It seemed to risky see, to see to see me taking these risks mm-hmm. and. And I think he's he's pleased with how it how it wound up being mm-hmm. positive, yeah. and he's he was also sort of envious. He was yeah. You know, he didn't get to he's spent his life by comparison, years and years of hard work. Yeah. Did he was he able to enjoy his retirement? Some. 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 But he but, wasn't able to. But travel not, the world as a young man and now but the right right yeah, yeah that's a whole different thing i think it's a really common feeling that parents have that's it's not often expressed but there's a bit of envy and and almost resentment toward the children for having a better you know it's what you want for your kid i want them to have a better life than i did that's, right but then when they do you're like damn it why didn't i you know, why didn't I, why didn't i get that or why didn't you know i put all my stuff on hold in order to provide this and now i'm jealous you know it's weird it's a weird system we have set up you know our society it seems like there's a way to do it so that the kids feel supported and encouraged and the parents get to you know they don't feel like they have to sacrifice their life in order for that to happen mm-hmm. i mean i think it's i'm speaking from a place of privilege so you know people of course parents people had to come from other countries to you know there are people who've done to everything to give their the kids a life place. yeah and I, I mean, to me, that's, it's very admirable. I don't, you know, that's an, that's not it's an American trait. So I much. wish I knew more about it. Yeah. About who, who my ancestors were. Yeah. Can you find out? Is there a way to research? Um, Is there anybody, any records that you could track there's down? There's not many records. There's mm. not much available. Yeah. And, and a big, big part of the reason for this is because because my roots are Jewish. Oh, and, so it's not And known. the it's... Jewish communities in Russia mm-hmm. and in Hungary were not re- recorded yep. with the same uh, fidelity. Yep. Uh, yeah, names were changed and uh, right. ethnicities were not noted or they and didn't want them to be in some cases. There was some point at which my, fa- my grandfather was uh, converted to Catholicism, and uh, 
I don't. I wish I knew something about it. what were the circumstances yeah. that impelled him to do that. Was it you know a matter of protection? Or right. Was it a matter of his personal convictions? Or, wow. I just don't know. Yeah, you just have to speculate and wonder. He he lived until um, his his wife, my grandmother, mm-hmm. died when my dad was just was still a teenager. Oh, okay. But my grandfather, but he lived until less than a year before I fell on my head. Oh, wow. So he didn't see any of the uh, any anything. Of the, my experience of head trauma, wow. but but he could he saw me grow up. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. In some ways, I mean, for him, that's the best. He didn't have right, to experience right. the trauma and the sadness. And but um, but interesting for you to have that experience with a, one of your family members only, you know, pre-trauma. That's interesting. He, my dad and mom. Both grew up in Chicago, uh-huh. but my but my dad's father retired to a little town called Ozona on the Gulf Coast, west of Tampa, Florida. Okay, Ozona, never and heard of it. No one ever heard of it. <laughs> but I went to Ozona and spent two months there in the summer of 1965. Oh wow! And I was ten years. I was a few months short of ten. Okay. Close to being 10. And you remember that time? You remember that trip? I remember some things from it. Uh I remember um, going out on on the beach right out behind the house. And uh, the bay was right there. And you could swim around in the water. Super warm. And and go fishing off the uh, the little pier. That's really cool. And uh, I remember seeing the lightning that came almost every evening. What's left for you to to see? Where would you go? Do you have any top like top of the list locales? So, Hungary would be would one. Would be one. Okay. Where, where would would, would you one. go with one of your siblings who's already been? With that? Um, I yeah, I'd go with someone who spoke a little of yeah. the language. Yeah. 
got to be somebody out there, but it's a, it might be harder to, mm-hmm. it's a narrow, narrow pool. Right. My life here at the moment is, is comfortable and stable, but I cannot work here. Right. And I can't, I can't be teacher like, like I was in China even. Right. You taught English in China? I taught English. I taught high school math here. Right. Okay. In, in High Palm, California, when my insurance coverage was still provided by my father. Oh. And that's when no that ran out. You couldn't. You could no longer work. Um, I I can't work because of uh, because of uh, I can't do that because of not having enough educational credentials myself. Oh right. Okay. Not having the uh, not having a college degree. Even though you know the math. Even though I know the math. Yeah. The uh, the the way they. The higher teachers, they just you they have to require paper. the degree. Yeah. So, so I, but you could teach. Could you teach math in another country, or would you, or could um, you teach English? And at this point, it, if to go to another country and teach math, that would be a that'd be great. If yeah. I could fi- find somebody interested to hire me as a math teacher, yeah. that'd be great. Is that you want to be working? Do you feel like you'd? I um. I have to admit that I don't see myself as entirely confident to do that. To, and to do that particular thing? or to, Right, right. Okay. And this is partly because of my own, um, my own sort of ongoingly, uh, um, not not very solid, not very good relationships with school. Okay. Not what would kept me when I was in junior high high school. My in Los Angeles, my attendance was good, mm. and I uh, I did good on my exams and. And I saw my friends there and played music, and I, uh, and so my life really did revolve around school yeah. in some really significant ways. And yet, academically, I was not. Yeah, it not wasn't paying the school much attention that was to it. Yeah, the and, school was not the draw. It was just right. the the glue. I wish I had uh, put enough effort into it to sort of. Uh, get a flavor for what that would have been like yeah yeah i hear you i know what you mean the thing there are a lot of things like that i think it's a lot of it's a lot of regret yeah and that's uh that's a big regret i have and yet it seems that that if i had somehow been inspired to do those things my life would have inevitably wound up being more boring than it's been. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to look at it. I mean, you've gotten to do some things, right? It's pretty unique. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, how? What's your thinking in terms of? I mean, 
did did you ask yourself the question why me or did you i mean does that what, how do you how do you reconcile the the fact that these things happen to some people and not others and sometimes they turn out better or sometimes you know how, is that um, a spiritual thing like what's going on behind the scenes do you think i um i think what we can know about those original source questions mm. is very it's like virtually nothing okay and uh that maybe it's uh best to acknowledge right up front that we don't know we don't know and, uh, and anytime i pretend like i know i'm pretending yeah and, I, and really i don't know yeah and it doesn't feel right Right. It doesn't feel when right faking to it. be uh, to be s putting out my theories as though they were they had some basis <laughs> in fact. Yeah, you don't think that you could they can exist just as theories or as your belief and not have oh a, they can a, a, like a definitive they, proof. They can them? they can exist as theories. Yeah, and they're. Uh, and they're maybe more interesting as theories. Yeah. And they're more, um, they become problematical when we start to suppose that if I've had this theory for years, it must be a fact. Must be now. true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You can't incorporate it too much if it isn't actually the reality. Mm -hmm. But I do feel personally, I think you can begin to manifest the things that you think about and and believe in i think that you can push toward creating the life that you want and make you know based when you when you say manifest mm -hmm. you mean to create yeah i mean yeah i think you can actually bring into existence things almost not so much with your will but with intention you know with putting your intention in the right direction sort of like how how you recovered from your injury you know you had you had the belief that you could and the belief itself may be a big part of the of the fuel source you know mm -hmm. it might be the reason that you can ultimately so in my mm -hmm. mind that's you're sort of manifesting the future you're manifesting what you want by believing that it can be real it might have had as much or more to do with my mom's belief that I could. Yeah. No. Well, but, and that's something too. I mean, that's why people believe in prayer. They believe that it, right. it works because they're putting out that intention into the world and, in, you know, toward that person or that, whatever the circumstances are. And whether or not there's, you know, proof or evidence that it worked, the belief that it works is often enough for people. It mm -hmm. actually, that works. Believing that, something works it's the belief works. that winds up being yeah more significant i think so i mean i think you you're sort of creating the facts by you know I mean, it's sort of like faking you know like fake it till you make it or you know right. like walk you, you pretend until you really are actually doing it and then mm -hmm. you're and it's not really you're not trying to maraud as something you're not you're just sort of learning how to be this mm -hmm. thing that you want to be i um i think i'm a person who uh Went through, um, went through years of having my mom say, fake it till you make it. Okay. And, and me kind of resenting that. Yeah. It's hard to hear it from outside 
yourself. Mm-hmm. They don't know what you're going through, what you're right. feeling. But do you feel like you sort of took her advice to heart? I mean, you knew well, that it was I think so. loving I think, encouragement. Right? I think that's a, that's the way I learned Chinese. Okay. <laughs> for example. Yeah. Well, I think you have to be willing, you have to have a certain amount of courage, I think, to do something that's outside your comfort zone and be willing to risk a little embarrassment or, you know, I think it's up to the individual to decide how much of an impact right. that's going to have. Like, are you, if it, is humiliation going to ruin you and make you, you know, mm-hmm. fall apart? Or is it something the, that makes you stronger? Humiliation is sort of inevitable to to come from somebody who's I put myself in the position where I had to claim to be a college graduate and and there's bound to be circumstances uh-huh. in the world where where I get found out. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm just not a college graduate and right. I'm, and I can't do everything that a college graduate could do. Credential but, wise, yeah. But but you could but like, it could do skill wise, yeah. In some ways, in some important ways, it yeah. could do it. And huh, so you got to find a place where the rules are not as important as the as the outcome or the process, right? right? Where's that? Probably outside the U.S., where it could it's be a little bit less restrictive, right. you know, in a lot of, a lot of things. But also, you face the challenge of you know starting a new life in a new community, not knowing the language, not having a ton of Support, you know, that's a tough thing to do at any age, mm-hmm. but certainly in your 60s it's and, not, and with a disability, not it's not easy. So, yeah, I get it. I get, I mean, it seems like you're, it seems like you're content, but also feel a little bit stuck, like you want to do something I'm, more. I'm content and I also feel uh, ungoingly stifled. Mm. And I, um, Part of the reason I feel ongoingly stifled is because of uh, not being able to use my use my math, for example. Right. And another separate part of why I feel stifled is because I'm uh, because of spending too much time alone, because mm. of being too socially um, estranged Deprived. from the larger. Sorry. That's okay. From society uh-huh and, and how does that play out like how does how do you feel do you feel like you isolate yourself or do you feel like people uh separate you like exclude you both 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 and can you give examples of part of it is not being able to keep up yeah in, entirely with like in a conversation what's going on mm-hmm. with memory mm-hmm. and partly is it's not being able to keep up financially, mm. just not being a, not being employed. Yeah, and, and so you feel having no income makes me sort of uh, on the loser side of. It just feel you feel like a burden. The social. To... Um, I don't feel like a burden. Okay, but that's I, good. I do feel like I'm. Um, like I'm, conspicuously. Less interesting to other people mm. than um, than I would be if I had a job. Right. If I, 
but also do you think it's based on your disability? Do you think people, because I think in this, I mean, it seems like, I don't know if it's unique to this country. I don't think it is, but certainly there's a major issue with discrimination against, well, most every anything that could be discriminated against right. in this country. But uh, it seems to me that m- many folks with disability disabilities must feel like they're being ignored, just given the way society is set up. Like it's mm-hmm. not really designed to accommodate someone who struggles right. to get around or somebody that needs a little extra time to do do things. Right, you know? right. So, so that's inevitable. Yeah, um, I mean, do you feel I'm, that like on a daily basis? Do you feel like you're... Like, um, it comes up daily, yeah. and and there are ways, and it doesn't always come up negatively. Okay, there's so, it comes up also in ways that I appreciate the being ignored and being on the outside, okay. and having so my time to myself, and, and it's it's like um not entirely a bad place to be yep. but it's not entirely a choice right it's, that's yeah that's what i was that's what makes it hard if you don't right. get to choose when you're alone and when you're not right that doesn't feel right so that's that's difficult so do you have you had to sort of practice speaking up for what you want and what you you know if you had to sort of insert yourself in ways that um to some extent yeah yeah and to, to, and we could also say there's uh, there are very severe limits to how much better I can get at that. Okay. If, based I, on I your memory. And stuff. I can't because of my memory, yeah. because of my vision. Oh. I can't. And because of my limited education, uh. I, I can't ever overcome this you know, impediment to the point of being uh, just your everyday guy. Right, right. Do you feel like there's a place, though? Do you feel like there, I mean, do you feel like you have a a home? Do you feel like you, I mean, you are, you have a home, you are in a home, a home, but, home but do you feel like you are, so do you have a place been. in the world? Do you feel like you have, are you looking? You're looking for a place where you have sort of more of a I have station a, a place in the world, and I, I wish it were a, a more, more uh, e- e- easily described place. I, okay. You know, I I wish it were a clearer role, you know, a clearer uh, pattern of behavior where I could uh, be a part of a. An ongoing thing part, or something that's be part of something yeah. bigger. Okay. Where I was not always working on my own interests and my own uh, right. My own my own language skills. My own. So you want to collaborate? Do you do you feel like you? That'd be great. Yeah. Do you feel? I feel like in the Bay Area there must be some like alternative programs or some kind of like children's thing where you could incorporate your, your skills mm-hmm. and be you know and i kind of had that same suspicion yeah and i wish there were more some more reliable way to find out what's, yeah what's going on well maybe we can put the word out and see if anybody's got ideas mm-hmm. looking for a, a mathematician uh, huh. a position for a mathematician without the the degree 
Yeah, that's the problem. As soon as you start talking about math, then you're talking about the school. And as yeah. soon as you're talking about a school, then I can't do it. Cause I, yeah. Except, yeah, well, and we talked a little bit about tutoring, and you said it's just tar- the competition with the college students who can do it. And, right. Uh, yeah, right. it's just too much. Huh. Well, I'm going to think about it. I think there might, I think there's got to be something. Let me know what you come up with. I will, yeah. And if anybody else has ideas, you know, it'd be, I think it's. The, um, I've enjoyed this interaction. And I wonder, is this something that you're planning to do again? Or like, should we meet in another week? Or? Um, well, this, so this, I mean, you and I could certainly meet uh, another time just to talk. I probably, I'm not doing any repeat guests until I've probably been doing this for a long time. Because right. I, I think there are a lot of individuals who right. want to be heard and I would like to hear from. So. Right. So I'm not I'm not doing any repeats, but I, I would love you know we can have conversations in the future certainly. I'm I'm sure that I I've lost track of kind of what what topics we covered, and I'm sure that when I uh, in you know later today or tomorrow, just all kinds of stuff will. Uh, Flooded me that I think, oh, I should have said that. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everyone's experience so far. They're, everyone I've talked to has said, oh, I didn't talk about this or I forgot to mention that, you know. Right. And I think that's okay. I think it's more just an, it's just putting an ideas out into the world and having people think about, you know, we don't have to find resolution on every issue. And, you know, it's more about expanding uh, people's perspectives and, you know, seeing things through a new pair of eyes you know and a new mm-hmm. a new new soul a different a different person on the planet has a different experience you know right so i you know my part of what's great about this for me is that it's that is an endless opportunity i can just keep going just keep, forever you know i'm never going to talk right. to everybody but i'm just i could keep going for the never rest of my life run, never going to run out of interesting no, stuff to hear yeah i don't think so and that's what's exciting and and then you know, it resonates with people and then people want to talk about more stuff and then new ideas are born and new, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, that's a big part of what, what I'm hoping to build is just an ongoing conversation with a larger community, you know, people who may not ever meet or maybe will meet that and they wouldn't have otherwise, or you know. Right. Uh, so, and I think there, there's a way to share resources and, and skills and talents and, you know, it's a way to just sort of pass around the knowledge of what's out there and uh, mm-hmm. to me that's pretty interesting you know to know there are all these billions of people walking around with their own version of the world right and it's different than every single other person's and uh that's it's a pretty bizarre <laughs> state to be in this the consciousness that we that we hold mm-hmm. um, so well i think i think we're good if you feel like I mean, of course, things will occur, but I think we covered a lot. I really, really appreciate you being willing to do this and you sure. know, having me in your home and you know, just a stranger on the street a couple of weeks ago. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. So, how did how did we meet? What was the? Uh... I was walking. I had parked somewhere in your neighborhood, and I was spending. I actually was doing a podcast somewhere nearby and I parked but I forgot where I parked so I was coming huh. back to my car and I saw you walking and you you looked like you were 
struggling a bit and you'd sort of paused. So I just huh. stopped and asked if you're okay. And then we started talking. Right. And then I realized my car was two blocks away yeah. and I had to go get it and pick you up. But uh, yeah, so that's, you know, to me, uh, maybe that's fate. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it's who knows what. But right. But I follow my intuition pretty much everywhere in life. And mm-hmm. it's guided me this far. And I'm, you know, it hasn't let me down. So I'm going to keep keep on with that. Uh, right. That, philosophy um but uh yeah it really it means a lot to me that you were willing to share your story and uh well thanks i really appreciate your you know what how you how you view things based on your personal experience it's a it's kind of an incredible thing that you you know i i think i just feel like you've you uh you sort of giving giving an example of of what fortitude looks like and what you know the desire to 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 remain curious and to be alive and in spite of anything you know i think that's a pretty huge gift that you're giving just by being being in the world you know that's that's my that's what i gain from you know seeing someone who can persevere through that that level of tragedy really so I appreciate that. Yeah, I really I appreciate you. So thank you, Eric. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I have to say that meeting Eric and hearing his story has really opened my heart and stretched it in a way, um, and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, I just think people are incredible. They can overcome all kinds of, uh, you know, life-altering stuff, and uh, it just blows my mind that people persevere through so much and Eric is a shining example of that. And I uh, appreciate him for taking the time and uh, being so open. And um, I just am really happy that, uh, you know, if you try, you can actually make it happen. You can go you can make a connection and learn something you didn't know. And, you know, meet a new representation of, the human consciousness and share some bits and pieces of that with each other uh, and hopefully expand from that. That's my, that's the goal. So um, thank you all for being here. I will be back next week. Um, You can find me at outspokenpodcast.com. You can subscribe there uh, on various devices and platforms And uh, you can also find me on Instagram, outspoken underscore podcast. And what else can you do? Oh, you could vote. Oh, yeah. Tuesday, please go vote. November 6th. Don't not do it. Please vote. Okay, see you next week.